Welcome to the Tell Us Something Podcast. I'm Mark Moss. Talking about the shadow side that we all have and the dark side that we all have was incredibly nerve-wracking. Like, I'm a, I'm, I love public speaking, but like that was definitely the hardest one I've ever done. This week on the podcast, Jill Albin talks about radical truth-telling. She shares some insights about the story she shared at Tell Us Something, too. After our conversation, you can hear the story as she shared it on the Tell Us Something stage. Big thanks to our title sponsor, The Good Food Store. And thanks to our enduring sponsors, CabinetParts.com and Blackfoot Communications. Special thanks to our champion sponsor, True Food Missoula. Thank you for joining me as I take you behind the scenes at Tell Us Something to meet the storytellers behind the stories. Each week, I sit down with the Tell Us Something Storyteller alumni. We chat about what they've been up to lately and about their experience sharing their story live on stage. Sometimes we get extra details about their story, and we always get to know them a little better. Jill's story does contain adult language and discussions about marijuana use. Sensitive listeners be aware. I'll check in again right before I play the story to let you know. Thanks for listening. All right, let's get to it. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Jill? I'm, I'm good. Good. Uh, yeah. It's good to hear your voice. It's good to hear How's your voice. Been? Yeah. I just listened to your voice for 10 minutes. You did? Yeah. I just listened to the story again. Oh, fun. <laughs> it was interesting. I mean, my so you're podcasting now. Yeah, I'm doing a few. Yeah, and so it's interesting that that podcast was you told your story in 2015 yeah i know oh my god i can't believe it was that long ago i know that was before we went to the wilma that was in 2015 at the top hat yeah that was at the top hat yeah so you're podcasting what what uh what are you doing yeah so i'm so i've been with handel group for the past four years and it's an executive life coaching company and i entered their coach training program and I also was hired full time as at the time as director of marketing, and now I'm um, my official title is VP of business development and marketing. Although I continue to wear a lot of hats, and I graduated from the coach training program, so I'm now coaching a few clients. And what's cool about Handel Group is we are, as coaches, we're permitted to sort of build our own micro brands within the company yeah. and to the, and to that end, you know, to the, to the extent that we want to, like it's not required, but, um, you can write blogs and pitch yourself on other podcasts and things of that nature. So I, I have been on a few pods in like the self-help wellness space where I focus primarily on just like explaining some principles of our coaching methodology, explaining what life coaching even is and like how the coaching has impacted me personally. And yeah, it's really, it's been a, a very rewarding career transition for sure. To, to be a coach and like work with someone one-on-one -on -one in that way is a, is a, it's, a, it's, it's like incredible. It's a really unique relationship. <laughs> so that's been rewarding. So that's what I'm up to. Yeah, but I continue full-time to just, you know, initiate marketing partnerships for Hindel Group, and I lead a small team for our now all-digital events. I used to travel at least once a month, but I'm, I haven't traveled since March, Yeah. given, given everything going on. So, right. yeah, that's a quick summary. Well, I was looking at your stuff while I was listening to the story, um, and one of the things that stood out for me is you say, what, what does it say, Jill's? Biggest aha in coaching 
came with the realization that only by telling the truth and opening up about her own shortcomings and mistakes could she find lasting, meaningful freedom and self-confidence. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, you know, that makes it, that the way that bio is written certainly makes it sound like that's all buttoned up and figured out. But I, I do think kind of, you know, self-awareness, self-actualization, self-confidence is a lifelong journey. But all that being said, I had a major shift definitely in, um, in my confidence as a result of the coaching that was directly tied to owning up and taking account for past mistakes in my life, namely in past relationships and also doing some deep work to like reframe the narrative of how I had shown up in, in particular in my first marriage. You know, this was sort of the canvas by which I did the reflection and learning, but I used to hold on to a story that, um, you know, I had been stuck. Um, I had been, you know, sort of at the mercy of circumstance and it was the other person's fault, right? Typical human ways that we kind of tend to sometimes tell stories about our experiences and what happened. And through some of these coaching tools, I was, you know, gently led by my own coach to, okay, like, let's, let's really look at what traits were at play in terms of how you were showing up in an effort to help me evolve and show up differently so that I don't repeat similar patterns in relationships, et cetera. And I think another piece of that sentence is, you know, for, for a long time, you know, as a young woman, I definitely, um, unconsciously like held on to a belief that I had to just be a certain way and project a certain persona in order to be accepted, liked, considered X, Y, Z. And to, and to be able to like even own that of like, Oh, you know, like (laughs) I want to look good. I want people to think I'm smart and successful and, you know, put together and all these things. Like if you had looked under the lid, you know, at the time, I think you would have seen a lot of, there was definitely a lot of inconsistent behavior that I had engaged in that was not aligned with that, you know, quote unquote, perfectionist persona I was trying to project. So like, again, through some of this work, and this is deep, like personal development shit, right? I kind of broke that down and just started telling the truth about myself, about my mistakes, about my own shortcomings, in, in private ways, right? Like, you know, with with clients, for example, and then also in pu- like public speaking ways, which was like this huge, a, a big shift that did increase my confidence in a way that, you know, I'll never kind of go back from, if that makes sense. Like as an example, and then I'll stop talking. <laughs> I did a very quick speaking slot at the Athena Pack conference in let's see this was in 2019 and it was called the art of honesty and I told my story of my first marriage and and like I told the before after right I was like okay here's the story I held on to first right and here's here's the here's the real truth about what happened right that I engaged in emotional infidelity that I was you know kind of stringing two guys along for a while right and, and like so so telling that story on the stage in Bozeman Montana <laughs> just like you know talking about the shadow side that we all have and the dark side that we all have was incredibly nerve-wracking like I'm, I'm I love public speaking but like that was definitely the hardest one I've ever done but also like again just like really kind of personified who I'm who I'm trying to be 
in the world, which is like just radical truth telling about myself um, in order to connect with other human beings and hopefully move us all along the path to like, let's confront our dark so that we can move through it and get to the other side and evolve ourselves, right? Because we have that ability as humans. Your story that you told at Tell Something did that, but in a really humorous way. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to give anything away for people who haven't heard it. It felt sort of, to me, listening to what you're saying now and Mm -hmm. looking back on what your story was about, it felt sort of like you were dipping your toe into the cold, deep water of telling the truth. I I love that. And that's, yeah, I had never thought about that story like the way I told that story in that way but uh, thank you and I I think and hope you're right yeah like especially the part around my dad right, right. And the, yeah like the piece that really ties it all together this is really interesting that you brought that up is like why what's in our lineage what's in our childhood etc that sort of um, begins to program these default settings right by which we live, right? Why are some people more fiery, passionate, outspoken, angry? Why are others more quiet, you know, sort of private hiding types, right? And of course, we can trace it to nature and nurture and all these things. And I think the the interesting part about that story is lying was definitely at the heart of it. And I think I even said that at the beginning of the story, like when I was a teenager, right? Like I was definitely a party girl while at the same time also like the the a student right so like even then i had that i had a little bit i i had that disjoint right of like here's jill like national honor society but then like likes to party with her friends on the weekends right Right. so it's like and and i didn't and there was a there was a part of me that held on to a storyline that that like that it, it wouldn't be okay to be both right in my parents eyes in particular you know and and so Oh, this is so interesting. Like, so even from then, like from a very early age, I was starting to shift and manipulate the persona of who I was depending on who I was talking to, right? And so in particular with my parents, I just lied my way through high school, right? Like, oh, I'm going to the movies. Oh, we're doing this, right? It's pretty typical. I don't think it's anything out of the ordinary in terms of teenage behavior. But again, to understand the impact of that on a person as you continue to grow up, right? Like, and and I love to use the phrase default setting. Like with my folks growing up, it was always like, oh, I can't explain this whole party scene. It's too complicated. They won't get it. They're just going to worry. I'd rather just lie, not let them into my life. Like, let's just show them the shiny parts. Meanwhile, I'll just do whatever I want, right? In terms of my social life. And so yeah, I think it's really interesting to look at the at the story I tell in that light because you know just to give a little teaser for for people, it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a party night gone awry. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I mean the title of it is <laughs> yeah. Remember the theme was oldest trick in the book. Right. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. What a perfect title. And the the title of your story was smoke and mirrors watching a yeah. night of lies unravel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, I love that. I love that. That's awesome that you that you made that connection. Well, I mean, it's really interesting to go back. You clearly haven't gone back and listened to it. I haven't listened to it since it came out. Like I remember, I listened to it once, and I was like, "Okay, I know where it is," and I like saved it. But it, you know, it's always so hard to listen to yourself. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I haven't listened to l- it listening to it, it now, right now, 
um, in 2020, in June of 2020, with what's going on socially, yeah, is also fascinating. Because, yeah. you know, you had this conversation with the police officer, and he was very kind to you. I know. Wow. And yeah. <clears throat> what what would that conversation be like if you were brown? I know. Not the same at all. Right. Right? Not the same at all. I'm sure I would have probably been brought in on the spot ra- rather than taken home, you know, escorted by the police officer. And yeah. and left to your own devices to tell the truth to yeah. your to your parents. Yeah. 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 It's fascinating to I mean that that didn't occur to me at all when I pre- pressed play. Yeah, no, that I, I love that you brought that up. That did again. There's some white privilege, like whoa, right there, right to not even like to be in a position at that age, you know. So, so I, I was 16 at a party and shit went down, right? right? To be in a position where I wasn't scared of the cop, right? And like I rather instead attempted to manipulate the situation so I wouldn't get in trouble. Right. Yeah. What privilege that is. Absolutely. Just to start from. Yep. Yeah. Ugh. My biggest fear that night was the trouble I was going to get in with my parents. Exactly. It was, was nothing to do with my fear around the law. Right. No. Even though I was caught with marijuana underage. Right. But you did yeah. a great job in the story of setting up the, the dynamic of that fear of being caught because, we see we see Jen as this sort of on a pedestal this is the perfect friend who's got the bronco and the cigarettes and her boyfriend's in a band called powder monkey and like and then and then on the other end we've got your hyper vigilant dad looking through the trash for potentially yes. school papers that you didn't want him to see you know? yeah. yeah 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 i loved that you were having fun with your story you were like stopping and laughing and sort of remembering you were putting yourself in the moment and just really being one with your what was happening it was very very cool to listen to oh thank you that experience was so just fun that first tell us something experience i i remember being so surprised when people started laughing at the beginning because i i remember like at the very beginning i was like oh they think it's funny Right? Like, that wasn't actually my intention with it. Right? But people thought it was funny. And and that made me laugh, right? Because I, I almost started to feel like, oh, this is kind of a, like a peculiar, funny little thing. Like, when I was a kid, it just felt so heavy, right? That I had to, like, deal with the hypervigilance and the pressure of school and la, 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 right? But, like, it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The whole thing. I, I remember as I continued to tell the story and like the, the 10 minutes went on, just like feeding off that energy from the crowd. And yeah, I remember stopping and laughing like, oh, this is funny. Yeah. That was like an emergent quality from simply just like telling it on stage, I think. That like wouldn't, it, I don't think I would have had the same tone throughout if I had been like telling it on a recording or something. And I don't remember when you were sitting in my living room at the workshop. You know, that we had an audience of 10, including mm-hmm. you. I don't remember people thinking any of that was funny then. I don't either. And so so it's surprising that, you know, when you get on the stage and the energy of the room 
changes the way the story sounds and unfolds. Yes. And... Yes. Yeah. Yep. And like that too is interesting to think about and consider in 2020 right now, right? And the fact that we can't gather together. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how yeah. to approach that. How can people find you these days, Jill? Oh, um, probably my Instagram is the easiest one. It's it's my name. It's just at Jill Alban. All right. Um, and you can find links there to like some of the coaching stuff and some of the other podcasts and blogs and things like that. Jill, thank you so much for spending the time with me today. And don't be a stranger. Yeah, Mark, this is great. And I. I'll be a little more active on your channels too, especially while, while we can't get together. You and I can stay connected. And thanks for having me. It was just really, I really appreciated the email and really nice and good to connect. And well, say hey to Grant. I, I hope will. you have a fantastic day. Thank you so much for visiting today. And I will catch you on the flip side. Okay. Thank you, Mark. All right, thanks, Joe. Yep. Have a good day. You too. Okay. Bye. bye. Jill Albin is a marketing professional based in Missoula, Montana. She serves as coach and director of marketing for Handel Group, an international executive life coaching firm based in New York City. Jill completed a two-year training program to become a certified coach in the Handel Method. Besides her full-time work, Jill is a nonfiction author and holds an MFA in creative writing from the University of Montana. Jill is a dynamic public speaker and natural leader. Over the last 10 years, she has organized, facilitated, and spoken at community events in Missoula and beyond. Learn more about Jill at Instagram.com slash JillAlvin. Jill shared her story in front of a live audience on September 15, 2015 at the Top Hat Lounge in Missoula, Montana. The theme that night was oldest trick in the book. Jill calls her story, Smoke and Mirrors, Watching a Night of Lies Unravel. Oh yeah, and this story does contain adult language and depictions of marijuana use. Thanks for listening. In high school, my best friend's name was Jen. And Jen was super cool for three reasons. One, she drove a Ford Bronco. Yeah. yeah. Two, she smoked cigarettes. And three, she dated a guy in a band. Yeah, uh, the band's name was Powder Monkey. So, you know, she usually drove. She had the Bronco. It was, you know, straight on from there. She picked me up one Friday night. I think this was junior year in high school. I piled in, and she's, uh, she's sitting in the driver's seat in her usual way, right hand on the wheel, left hand also on the wheel with, with her cigarette between her fingers. And the Bronco window opened just so, so that when she would drive the smoke would just be drawn out of the window like a vacuum. It was so perfect. <laughs> so she picks me up and I pile in and we start to pull out and we're driving through my subdivision and she's like, Jill, I have to tell you what I did last night. I was like, what'd you do last night? I smoked weed. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And what was it like? How, how'd it feel? You know, what, what was the deal? It was amazing. <laughs> I laughed at everything. I felt so free. We're going to do it again tonight. We're going over to Evan's house. We're going to smoke weed. I, I had never smoked weed before. I was just like, okay, okay, we're, I'm in. We're doing this. So we start driving down the street, and 
I should back up and explain that uh, the story that I had told my father of what we were going to do that evening differed vastly from you know the reality that was quickly unfolding. I think I had told him something to the effect that we were going to a movie, rated PG-13, going out for ice cream, something of that nature. And you know, like a lot of kids in high school, I lied to, <laughs> in order to be able to do things. And in my case, in order to be able to do basically anything. I would, I would go, you know, my father, he, he was not only strict, but I would call it almost hyper-vigilant. From my earliest memories, I want to say like first or second grade, at the beginning of the school year, he would call my teachers. So Jill's enrolled in your class this year and just want to check in and, and see what your assessment is and what areas you think she could improve on. And is there any extra credit that she could be doing now in order to get ahead? And starting early on, like sixth grade, probably through 12th, it just became a household requirement that I had to bring home every single folder, notebook, and textbook from school every single day on the bus so that we could have our evening sessions together where he would flip through the notebooks and the textbooks and we would talk about what I had learned that day and he would essentially quiz me on everything that had happened and you know these, this would go on for probably 90 minutes. Not kidding. And you know another example of the hypervigilance would be you know sometimes at night I'd be falling asleep and he'd come in my room and he'd say good night, good night dad. And I would hear him kind of moving around in the room, and I would look over, and he would be going through my trash can looking for papers from school that I may have inadvertently thrown away. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, in order to have any semblance of a social life, I had to come up with fibs left and right. So Jen and I are in the car, off, to, uh, off on the marijuana adventure. <laughs> And, you know, driving through our, our subdivisions. And we, we pull up to um, a guy named Evan's house. And we, we, we're, we're pulling up and kind of getting organized. And Jen turns to me. She's like, oh, Jill, there's one more thing you need to know about tonight. And I said, oh, what? And she said, well, Evan's mom is home. She's, she's probably going to be hanging out in the living room. This, is, this was the scene last night. And I was like, Evan's mom is home? And we're smoking weed? Like, what? She said, no, no, no. Evan's mom doesn't have a sense of smell she says. <laughs> I had never heard of anyone not having a sense of smell, but I went along with it. So, okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> so we walk in the, the door, and sure enough, Evan's mom is hanging out in the living room with <laughs> not smelling anything and <laughs> watching something on television, I think something with Tom Selleck in it or, or some such, and... You know, we say hi, and we start going down the stairs to where the guys are hanging out, and they're playing guitar and hanging out, and, you know, we're, we're, we're chilling for a little while, and then, lo and behold, the big water bong comes out. And, you know, I had been picturing in my head, like, a joint or something slightly more benign that I could manage or at least had, you know, knew an idea of how to get started, and I was like, oh... <laughs> I don't, I don't quite know what to do, but they quickly showed me how to do it, and the water bong went around and came to my turn. I, I did pretty well. You know, I... <laughs> and uh, Jen next to me doing the same thing, and, you know, the water bong's going around. There's like five of us in the room. And 
Uh, you know, I only did it the one time. Wasn't quite sure what was going to happen, so kind of left it at that. And it went around a few times. And everything's going well, hanging out. And all of a sudden, I feel this, these claws on my forearm. And I look over, and, and Jen is next to me, ghost white. And I'm like, what's the matter? <laughs> and she says, I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> and she's dead serious. She's I'm having a heart attack. And the guys are kind of talking, and they don't quite notice what's going on yet, and her nails are digging ever deeper into my forearm. I'm like, you're not having a heart attack. <laughs> you're not having a heart attack. I am. I think I'm dying. And, but, and I'm like, okay, okay, you know, it's lie down. So I get her to, to lie down where we are, and by this time, the guys are noticing what's going on. Like, what's happening? What's happening? I'm like, she, she thinks she's having a heart attack, and it's like, I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> She's, she's just kind of flailing around. She's like, I'm freaking out. I'm, my heart is beating out of my chest. I don't know what to do. And I look at Evan and I'm like, what are we doing? She's like, she's, she's like we're calling 911. Call 911. Call 911. And I'm, I'm beginning to form my story of what was actually happening that night. You know, <laughs> something that I could re retell later. But. So I look at Evan. Evan's just like, shit. Fuck, I don't know what to do. And Jen's like, call 911, call 911. So he goes upstairs. He comes back down with his mom. I've never seen such a look on a person's face. His mom quickly takes in the circle, the water bong, quickly puts the equation together, and she's like, shit, you know, what's going on here? <laughs> Within a few minutes, it feels like an ambulance has shown up, Jen's parents have shown up, and two cops have shown up. <laughs> so... So Jen got put on a stretcher, carried up the stairs. She was out the door with her parents who gave me a withering look, you know, as they walked up the stairs. And one cop pulled Evan's mom into a corner for a discussion, and another cop pulled me into a corner for a discussion. And everyone else kind of seemed, seemingly disappeared. I think a couple of the guys took off. And the cop was like, well, what, what, what's been going on here? And I said, well... You know, there was some, some marijuana here. I didn't have any. <laughs> I've, um, I don't know Jen very well. I just kind of started hanging out with her and ended up here tonight. You know, I, I'm not quite sure how this all came about. Okay, well, you're a minor, so I need to take you home. No, shit. So we get in the cop car, and he's in the front, and I'm in the back, and I'm just thinking to myself, okay... We've got to give this everything we have right now. So I'm like, sir, I just, I really want you to know, I just feel like I've been really mixed up with the wrong crowd. And I'm actually a student on student council and I'm involved in the National Honor Society. And if you like, I can recite you some poetry or talk to you about my latest government exam or just, just please don't walk me to my door. And the, you know, he, he's very nice. So sounds like you're doing quite well for yourself. <laughs> We pull up in front of my house, and the cop turns back to me and says, okay, I'm, I'm going to walk you up to the door. And I said, sir, it would, it would, how about I just walk myself to the door? Like, you don't actually have to come with me. Everything's so quiet, and I promise I'll tell them what happened, and I'm never going to hang out with those people ever again. No, I'm walking you to the door. So we walk up my sidewalk, and I can see that corner of the curtain and the, the window, the little gap of light, and my father asleep in his armchair, you know, waiting for me to come home. And, the, you know, the cop and I walk up, and the cop, and the door opens, and 
my dad is there and he looks at me and he looks up at the cop and he looks back at me and he says, are you all right? I said, yeah, I'm fine. And the cop said, sir, it just seems like your daughter got mixed up with uh, some of the wrong people tonight and I'm going to let her tell you the story. And he walks away. And so I'm standing there in the foyer, my dad and my mom has come down at this point and um, he's just looking at me, you know, what, what could have happened? Why are you here with the cops? And I'm, I'm starting to make up the stories. You know, like, oh, maybe we, you know, accidentally forgot to pay for our ice cream or Jen and I got in a huge fight and I had to walk home by myself and this cop picked me up. Or, and I look at my dad and I look at my mom and I don't know, all of a sudden I just got really tired of lying. And I got tired of trying to pretend I was someone that I wasn't. So I told them the truth. And we stayed up until about 2 o'clock in the morning talking about, you know, the dangers of drugs and (laughs) all sorts of other misgivings and mishaps. I remember when I went to bed feeling a lot better than I had in a long time and kind of letting them into my life. So my trick... I worked it for a while and then stopped working. (laughs) Thanks, Jill. And thank you for listening today. If you want to support what we do, you can do that financially by donating. Go to tellussomething.org and click the handshake support icon in the top right-hand corner. You can also tell someone about the show. Recommend Tell Us Something to just two people who have never listened to it. Please, rate and review this podcast, which is a thing you hear all the time on other podcasts. And there is a reason. It really helps. Clicking five stars, writing a little review on your podcast app, pushes the algorithms and helps people find the show. I'm glad you found the show. If you ever want to drop me a line, you can write to mark at tellussomething.org. That's M-A-R-C at tellussomething.org. If you want to get some cool Tell Us Something merch, visit tellussomething.org shop. New in the Shop is a recording of the live scored stories that were shared at the Tell Us Something fundraiser in February of 2020. Check that out, as well as lots of other cool stuff. Be sure to tune in next week when I check in with Mike Coluccia. I just think it's a really funny story. I enjoy it. I enjoy telling it so much because I think it is such a weird, unusual story, and it's, it's somewhat self-deprecating. Tune in for that conversation on the next Tell Us Something podcast. Thanks again to our title sponsor, The Good Food Store. Dedicated to supporting a healthy community, The Good Food Store provides a wide selection of organic food and natural products. Now offering curbside pickup, learn more at goodfoodstore.com. Thanks also to our enduring sponsors, cabinetparts.com, the number one source for cabinet hardware since 1997. Providing the best kitchen cabinet hardware at a great price and knowledgeable hardware specialists, cabinetparts.com is the direct source for all your cabinet hardware needs. Blackfoot Communications. Since 1954, Blackfoot Communications have fostered a reputation based on exceptional customer service and community involvement. They deliver superior technology solutions through trusted relationships and enrich the lives of their customers, owners, and employees. Learn more at blackfoot.com. Thanks again to our champion sponsor, True Food Missoula, offering weekly meal delivery to nourish your family and friends. Have a look at the menu and order online at truefoodcsa.com. 
Thanks to Cash for Junkers who provided the music for the podcast. Find them at cashforjunkersband.com. Thanks to our sponsors, Missoula Bone and Joint, providing superior clinical orthopedic care to their patients for over 60 years, missoulaboneandjoint.com. Access Physical Therapy, an enthusiastic team dedicated to providing compassionate and comprehensive care to their clients. Learn more at accessmissoula.com. Thank you to our in-kind sponsors, Logjam Presents. Top Hat Restaurant and Bar is open with limited capacity in-house dining and takeout. Logjam Presents is also now hosting live entertainment in the Wilma Cabaret. Learn more at logjampresents.com. Missoula Broadcasting Company. Learn more at missoulabroadcasting.com. Float Missoula, formerly known as Enlighten Lab Float Center. Learn more at enlightenlab.com. That's E-N-L-Y-T-E-N-L-A-B.com. Inertia Physiotherapy. Move better, feel better, stay in motion. InertiaPhysioMT.com. GeckoDesigns.com, MissoulaEvents.net. Podcast production by me, Mark Moss. Next week on the Tell Us Something podcast, join Mike Coluccia and me as we revisit his hilarious story of his visit to the dentist. Listen as Mike talks about his music and painting, and hear him reminisce about learning to cook Italian food with his grandmother. To learn more about Tell Us Something, please visit tellussomething.org. Stay safe, wear a mask, take care of yourself, and take care of each other.